Hello, and welcome to the Elevate You podcast, your weekly dose of mindset, personal development, success, business, and all things elevating your life. I am your host, M, a two-time psychology degree graduate, mindset junkie, and business owner, also known as your no BS guide to elevating your mindset and helping you to take bold action towards your dream life. I'm a corporate dropout turned business owner, and I attribute my success to one thing, my mindset. With my unique merging of psychology, mindset, and business strategy, I believe that creating the life you want is all about asking yourself the right questions. And so I am here to help you think deeper and remove your fear so you can go after all the things you want in life. If you're ready to seriously elevate your mindset and transform your life, turn the volume up and let's begin. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I can't really contain my excitement right now (laughs) but we have one of my favorite people on the podcast today my first ever guest so she should be very honored (laughs) but it is jess also known as train with jess on instagram and tiktok she is an online fitness mindset and business coach and she specializes in body image and food freedom so that's really what this episode is going to center around But Jess is a previous client of mine, and we actually now mentor each other. So one of the things that I truly admire about Jess and what she does is her work with body image and confidence. She has helped me shift so much when it comes to negative body image, low confidence and disordered eating. And she is seriously the definition of no fluff, no bullshitting and just saying it how it is. I can't wait for you all to hear her wisdom. So without further ado, welcome Jess. Hi. (laughs) Say hi. Hi. Listen to us giggling. (laughs) I know. It's so bad. I thought I would be more like contained, but I just can't. (laughs) There's no way we're going to be professional about this. (laughs) No, none at all. But do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a bit about what you do online in your life. Just give us it all. So I am a mindset and fitness coach. I've just recently gone into business coaching as well, but mainly centered around health and fitness. And I specialize in food freedom and body image. As you said, I'm super passionate about body positivity and self-love and bring that side into the fitness space as well, because I feel like it is not touched on enough. And obviously it goes hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I feel like there are so many like myths that you bust (laughs) in all of your content and just everything like that. It's nice. I feel like you're very, just to be able to see like such a normalized way of when it comes to body image, fitness, like all of that type of stuff. It's so nice to have someone that like models that in their daily life. And like, I had my own fitness journey. I started, well, actually when I was younger, I was around 50 kilos ringing wet. I was a state netball player. That was probably the actual worst time of my body dysmorphia, surprisingly, compared to when I was 94 kilos. I definitely didn't feel as bad about my body as I did when I was smaller, go figure. Mm -hmm. So I've been on that journey myself and the content that I produce is literally just everything that I needed to hear at both ends of the scale. And like I said, that is not shown in the fitness industry. So if I can normalize the fitness industry and also just show people that you don't have to be fucking ripped (laughs) and shredded to be a personal trainer, then yeah, that's, I've done my job. Yeah. I love that. And even not, not even just personal training. Like I feel like there's so much pressure for everyone to look a certain way and just being able to know that no, that's not the normal. That's not what you have to like, it's normalized, but it's not normal. I feel like I say that about everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. But I would love to hear more about like your kind of journey with body image and like where you started. Would you be able to share that with us? Cause I think I don't even know the full kind of story. Yeah. So, well, like I said, when I played netball, I was actually shredded, Mm. but I feel like too, it's just normalized yet again that like, have you ever seen those like quotes and people talk about it all the time? And it's like, we take for granted our skinny years thinking we're fat. 
And that is literally just ingrained into us as females and we just believe it. So for me, when I was tiny, I genuinely thought I was huge. I also had pressure to be fit. I had to look a certain way. The list goes on. And I remember being on a netball court and being like, oh, fuck, I'm the fattest, unfittest person on here. And, like, I played centre. So if you know netball, there's not many oversized centres. You're usually the smallest person on the fucking court. Like, looking back at photos of myself, I actually look sick. I'm that small. So that was probably... I guess we always struggle with it when we're younger as well, but that was probably the big, like my most prominent memory of having it around 16. Mm. And then I felt a lot of pressure to obviously be that netballer. So once I decided that I hated it, it was kind of like a big fuck you to my parents, my coach, like everything that I didn't have to be fit anymore. And once I turned like 17, 18, I just didn't give a fuck anymore. So then that started to be when I started to gain weight obviously you go out you're drinking you're doing all those things so your body doesn't function the way it did when you were 16 which might I add is completely fucking normal it's what's meant to happen yeah (laughs) like it's so normal but obviously because I was that fit little netballer once my body started to change one it was the point where I was like I don't give a fuck anymore but also it was changing and I was like shit, I'm getting fatter, but I just ignored it and ignored it. So I kind of swung from one extreme to the other and just let myself go. Then I went to uni, partied even more. I had a very hectic party lifestyle as well. So I would go days without eating and then literally make up for it with like Eagle Boys pizzas were like $4. So that was the fucking vibe. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like I just lived off cheap food, and made up for all the time that I hadn't been eating. So I was essentially binge eating. And then at uni as well, everyone's like these beautiful girls, like everyone's from like, I don't know, the city and they're all, I don't don't know. You just put other girls on a pedestal because you wish you looked like that. And also too, I did an exercise science degree. So everyone was fucking fit and I was at my most unhealthy, I guess. So I didn't feel like I fitted in in that environment either. So yeah, lots of comparison. And I just kind of dug myself into a really deep hole of I will never look like that Mm. and just accepted that I would hate my body forever, which is not fun. (laughs) No, it's not fun. (laughs) Honestly, it's only been in the last like two or three years that I've accepted my body. And especially in the last like 12 months, because once I finished uni and I graduated and did all those things, I then became a personal trainer and I started in like the rehab space. So I didn't really need to be that fit personal trainer, but yet again, because I hadn't healed that body image stuff, I really struggled coming into the health and fitness space because I wasn't those ripped WBFF bodybuilders. Yeah. So it took me a long time to realize that that was actually my power and not Mm -hmm. everyone wanted to look like that. And I didn't really realize that until I got into the Instagram and TikTok space because, like I said, not everyone can fit into that mold and nor should you want to. Yeah. And it's such a powerful thing, I think, as well. I feel like most of the time social media and stuff like that is what drags us down. And it's really interesting that you say it kind of took you being on social media to realize actually there are people out there that don't want to live this way that like relate to me. What do you think was the switch? Like when you first came onto social media, was it hard to begin with and then it switched or was it kind of you came into it with a mindset already? It was so hard for me coming into social media. Like I actually had for years I think I had like 5,000 followers without even posting myself or me training. It was literally yeah. just my clients. That was it. I didn't feel confident in showing up on social media full stop. And yeah. if you follow me now, I am all up on my social media. <laughs> I talk shit on my stories every day. I'm so confident on there. I don't give a fuck pretty much. But 
that was not always the case. And also too, I didn't think people would care about my life and day-to-day stuff. But obviously the more I got into that space, I realized people needed that real and raw example of a fitness journey basically, and just life in general. But when I first came on, it was literally like the only fitness influencers were like Lauren Simpson and Rachel Dillon. And if Mm. you're in the fitness community, you know who they are. They're fucking beautiful, like absolute rigs, but that is not attainable for everyone. So that was my biggest thing. I was like, well, I'm never going to make it as a fitness influencer. So why would I try? Because I don't look like that. But then, yeah, I actually... Someone who really inspired me was Riley Hempson. She was probably a really big like health and fitness influencer, I guess you would call her. So I was like, if she can do that, I definitely can. Like, why can't I embrace my body and empower people to do that? So I did. (laughs) I love that. It's such a full circle. Yeah. Kind of moment when you get to that stage. Yeah. So I was definitely inspired by people like that. Yeah. And I just feel like. Yeah, there's not that real and raw person that combines both health and mindset. And I feel like I'm yeah. gonna fit that mold. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Pull those and when shoes. It, yeah. When it came to like when you were younger, what do you think contributed to you feeling so negatively about your body? So many things. Like as mm-hmm. kids, obviously our mums shape us so much and like obviously nothing against my mum or your mum or anyone else's mums they were doing the best with yeah what they knew but their parents as women we're all being exposed to that for generations it's just accepted that we hate our bodies so that obviously is filtered down in our trauma anyway but yeah. like we are exposed to so much through the media. Like even as kids, like I remember going to Woolies and there'd be like racks of magazines and things. Yes. Like we also now have social media, but as kids, that was my like main thing that shaped me. It was, it's a lot as a kid to see that. And I, yeah. I distinctly remember that being a thing for me. And like, you know, magazines that we would read at school like we all read Dolly Doctor and like Girlfriend and things like that so that definitely shaped me and yeah I've had to do a lot of work on like childhood trauma so it's formed from a very young age yes definitely I totally agree I think the one thing when I think about when I had like disordered eating and where it started and where I really like shifted my body to make it suit, you know, you know, going down to the 48 kilos and the just like ridiculous standards. It was from, I remember reading a magazine and it was one of those trashy magazines that just had like, it was about the thigh gap. It was about like bringing, bringing back the thigh gap, how to get the thigh gap. And it was like this model on the front that just had the biggest thigh gap. And I was like, oh my God, my thighs touch. my my thighs touch like what am I gonna do about that like that means I'm fat that means I'm like and mind you I was not fat I was probably like I don't know 55 kilos or something like that and I was like no like I need to be way more skinny and you're so right when it comes down to like it never feels good enough even when I was at my like I remember one time I'd had food poisoning this is so bad trigger warning for anyone honestly but I had food poisoning and after I was like, oh my God, I look so good. Like I look so thin, like I need to maintain. I was like 46 kilos at one point. And I was, I was 18 years old and it's just like, what? (laughs) Like we'll still say things like that now. I know that's the scariest thing is I see it in family and friends and stuff like that is like, oh, but, you know, you look so skinny or like being after they've been sick or something, they're like, oh, but you, you know, you look so good. You look so slim. Like, blah, blah, blah. it's like, yeah. oh my God. It's so categorized as fat as being bad and skinny as good. And you're only yes. praised if you're skinny. Yes. Yeah. Every I hate time that we normalize saying, oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you look so good. Like yeah. you have no idea why that person's lost weight, if that was their goal or what. But also too, it's funny that you say about the thigh gap because how fucking ironic that now most of us who were exposed to the thigh gap generation, we now literally train to grow our thighs as big as we can. 
Yeah, like I because- love that this is the new normal. But then also too, that would be toxic for someone who was actually genetically skinny and couldn't grow that. Yes, exactly. And that's so it why goes it's, both ways. Yeah. And it never works because everyone is like literally bone structurally meant to look different. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't try and swap back and forth from these like different yeah. ideal standards. It's just, and it's going to change crazy. in two years time anyway. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It's funny. One thing when you said before about like friends and family is one thing I try to make a concerted effort of now is not making any comments on like my friend's physical body like oh you've lost weight or like you're looking so good or like blah blah blah. like the only thing one friend said to me recently was like you look so healthy and happy and I was like oh my god I love that like that's the only compliment I feel like I ever want to give someone nothing around their like physical body no because like I said you have no idea why that person looks the way they are and you see it a lot like I've had a couple of friends that I I know are struggling with body image because it's obviously my job I can pick it from a mile away and all the other friends in the group comment on comment to them and tell them how good they look and then they've just got to sit there and go thank you but they're actually you can tell they're not saying thank you because they know they haven't lost it for a good reason yeah or even if they yeah even if they have lost a lot of weight I feel like when you say oh my god you look so good blah blah blah, you're trying to come from a nice place but they might be like oh my god now I need to sustain this how am I going to sustain this like oh it adds to the toxicity of it it does even when you do come from a from a place of love and you are doing it with no harm you have no idea yeah yeah it's a challenging one I feel like the ways that you can kind of complement each other like it becomes hard but I feel like it's just about being happy and being healthy yeah and it's interesting too like the start of my fitness journey all it was was weight loss whereas like in the last Mm -hmm. like year or two I've done like bulk phases to try and grow muscle and all those things and the reaction people give you when you tell them that you are bulking Mm. they are fucking beside themselves which is it just baffles me that people cannot understand when people genuinely want to put weight on. Yeah. Like I had one lady in the gym. She was like, oh, you look like you've lost heaps of weight. She wouldn't have seen me for a year. So yes, I've probably lost weight from that time that she last seen me. But I was like, oh, I've actually put on like six kilos. She was like, no, no, you haven't. And trying to justify Mm. I'm like no like I've genuinely tried to put on weight I'm in a bulk phase I'm purposely putting on weight and her face she was gobsmacked yeah like why (laughs) why is that a thing yeah I know it's just so ingrained into us that weight gain is bad yeah and so do you think one of the first things to start like seeing change is to recognize that neither is good or bad yeah, 100%. You need to challenge the beliefs that you have because yeah. if you don't get curious about them, you're never going to think that there's another option for it in the st- in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And, like, why do you look at certain bodies and think they're the ideal but not other bodies or, like, not your yeah. body? Why do you yeah. not think? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, when a client first comes to me and they say, oh, they want to lose weight, I genuinely ask them why and half yeah. of them can't tell you the reason why. Mm. <laughs> because it's actually it's just like yeah. oh we want to lose weight okay but why so same thing again like yeah it's good or bad so definitely question why you think it's bad in the first place and also the feelings that you associate with weight gain because mm. your body is actually not the problem. It's like the underlying feelings that you have associated with weight gain. So like yes. for me personally, it was like this genuine feeling. And I mean, you've coached me, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for yeah. me, it's just this deep ingrained thing that I would never find love. Yeah. So I genuinely thought at the start of my weight loss journey that I would not find the love of my life until I got that dream body. So for me, it's feeling unloved. It's feeling unworthy, fear of rejection, fear of neglect. I think so many people can relate to that. For me as well, it was feeling unworthy and feeling like I could never truly, and I still struggle with it now. Like I'm in a very secure relationship, but so often like I've gained weight throughout COVID. I look very different now than how I used to look. And so often I'm always like, 
wondering in my head, like, well, does my partner still love me? Does he still yeah. think I'm attractive in the same way? Even though like I've gained like what, five kilos or something Nothing. like that. I'm just like, oh my God. You know, like, it's just this yeah. crazy thing of like, we're not going to have love or like connection yeah. if we aren't this ideal. Yeah. And it's interesting, interesting you say that because when I say that to clients, they're like, yeah, but I've got a husband and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but you're scared that if you gain weight, he's not going to love you and he's going to leave. Mm. Literally. <laughs> I know Drew could be my husband right now and I would still think the exact yeah. same way. Like it doesn't matter. It's yeah. all about internally my association and my beliefs about my body. It's not yeah. actually my body itself. Yeah. And we're always so focused on physically changing ourselves and using yeah. physical tools to feel better. So like tracking your food or, you know, things like that, but really you should be doing deep inner child work to heal mm. the beliefs that you have about being unloved and unworthy. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you a bit later, but I think it fits in here is when it comes to like people who have a negative mindset around their body, but they want to be fitter, they want to be healthier. How do you kind of recognize like the difference between wanting to lose weight and tone up and all of that stuff, but also having a healthy body image? That's a very fine line. Yeah. And it all comes down to the individual because yeah. like, you know, for example, like I was on my weight loss journey when I started, it was for negative reasons and I'm still on a weight loss journey. It never ends. You're always on, I shouldn't call it a weight loss journey. I should just say fitness journey, yeah. um, but it never ends because it's a lifestyle. But once you accept your body for where it is at and you do all that healing, you can genuinely work on your body from a place of love. And I know that when every time I work out, I'm not doing it to punish myself anymore. I'm genuinely doing it because I'm giving my body love rather mm. than coming at it from that negative, toxic mindset. So you can do both at the same time, but you actually genuinely have to go deep within yourself and ask yourself what reasons you're doing it for. Yeah. Did you find at the beginning of your journey where you had more of that negative mindset still that when you did work out and you were losing weight, it was never enough. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, mm. I, I was at a point where I was training twice a day. I'd go to the gym wow. like in the morning and then I'd go at like five o'clock, like, and I would tell myself, cause I love training when really I was like, I was addicted to losing weight. Yeah. And when I was younger, because I did get all that like positive, like feedback that I was good looking and I was hot and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I knew that the more weight I would lose, the more attention I would get from men. Yeah. And so okay. then the more weight I would lose, I would get addicted to it. And then I'd keep going, keep going, keep going. And then I would do like, I'd track my steps. I'd track my food. I'd yeah. Go to the gym all the fucking time. I'd superset everything. I like, it just became this toxic pattern. But when you are in the fitness journey, you are justified that you're working on yourself so that it is positive yep. when it's actually not. Yeah. And what would you say your mindset towards like, whether it is losing weight, whether it's turning up, whether like whatever goal it is, how do you think your mindset is now? Like when you go to the gym and when you do all of these things now, what's the difference in your mindset? I'm literally training for my mental health for one. Yeah. If I yeah. do not train, I am a crazy <laughs> me too <laughs> uh, but also too I don't have to train in the gym every day to show my body love as well so if I wake up one day and I'm like I just can't be fuck training but I know that I'm going to feel so good from exercising I just move my body every day however that feels good so if that's a walk or mm. it's a stretch and I'm doing mobility then great like I don't need to have that strict regime to be in the gym anymore Whereas yes. before I'd be like, I have to train, I have to do this, I have to do seven exercises and that needs to be as heavy as I can fucking go. When yeah. I would be happy some, some days, like I could walk into that gym and I could do three exercises and be like, fuck this and walk out and I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Because I'm moving from a place of love from my body and if I have to change that, then so be it. That's so true. And it's such a, I love the point you always make. And you've said this to me before, because 
I am someone who struggles with like exercise. I don't find it that enjoyable. I don't mind walking and stuff like that, but I'm not really a big gym girly. Like I'm not super into that. And I remember asking you, you know, when it comes to exercise and movement, I feel like there's always people out there preaching one type of exercise is the best. And you said to me, do whatever you enjoy doing. Just do that. Like you don't have to do everything. Just do what you enjoy. Just get your steps in, do your movement. Like that's all. And people don't realize like how connected your mind is to your body. Moving your body, if you struggle with mental health and you're not getting outside in the sunshine, moving your body, there's no fucking way you're going to feel better. It goes hand in hand. But also I love that you brought that up because I always say it to my clients, but I'm like, if you don't like doing fucking burpees and running, then why do you go to an F45 (laughs) class to try and lose weight? me (laughs) like we we are always and this also comes back to the media as well like we're always taught that you have to do it one way also to our generation grew up with watching the biggest loser yeah (laughs) they were literally in a gym being screamed at by trainers Mm. trying to run one their bodies would not have been able to fucking do that for one but like You, you get what I'm saying? Like we always think we have to train like athletes when it is not the case at all. Yeah. It's so interesting because only recently have I found a routine that actually works for me and it's not a crazy routine. It's pretty much I walk, like I do Pilates twice a week, reformer Pilates, and I love it. It's expensive, yeah. but I love it. <laughs> and then I I just walk on the other days and like do yeah. my steps. I'm not doing 10,000 steps yet. I'm not there yet, but I'll get there. And it's just about doing what you can, you know, with yeah. where you're at, with what you've yeah. got. You just got to start there. And it made me feel, it's an interesting one in my head because I like obviously still struggle with body image, but exercising not only helps my mental health, but it helps my mental health in terms of my body image. The more effort I put into my body, not to make it physically look different, just to make it feel healthier, the better I feel in terms of my self-talk around my body. Absolutely. And I think that's where people kind of go wrong as well. But yet again, Mm -hmm. it's because they obviously have that toxic mindset with exercise and they only associate exercise with punishing their body. Yeah. Yeah, it's but so you don't true. know that until you question it. Yeah. And it's actually interesting you say that because when I think about this routine that I've built previously, I've tried things like F45 and doing HIIT workouts and that felt like a punishment to my yeah. body. I was like every morning I would wake up and be like, oh my God, I'm going to die, yeah. actually yeah. die. But yeah. now that I do Pilates and walking and stuff like that, even just doing Pilates or yoga at home, it doesn't feel like a punishment. It actually yeah. feels nurturing. Yeah. It's such a big difference. And I was absolute same because two state netball days, if I did an F45 or a hit class, that is fucking trauma. I am triggered. Like not one part of me wants to be doing hit. You will never catch me running. And I'm a fucking personal trainer and I would never (laughs) run and do hit classes because I don't like doing it. Does that mean that I'm not one good at my job? Does that mean that I'm not fit? No. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm not a gym girly because I don't go to F45? No. Like it's, yeah, it's all relative to what you like in your current situation. And I'm sick of everyone trying to fit into this mold that not everyone can fit into. Yeah. It's so true with everything, even when it comes to mindset and stuff like that, or everyone is like, here are your seven rules for success. And I think people also take that really literally when it comes to when people post content. Yes, they do. And, but there are some things that are like, you know, you have to do this. You you have to wake up at 5am. You have to blah, blah, blah. And I did that for a while. I was like, yeah, you got to wake up at 5am and blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, just as much as you won't run, I will not be waking up at 5 a.m. <laughs> no, it's um when I first started coaching with you and you were like, yeah, I'm up at 6 or 5, I'm like, fuck that. Like, yeah. you'll never catch me up before 7 a.m. ever. See, I'll still do 6, but, like, I draw the line at 5. No. Nah. I, I used to go line. to work at 4 a.m. every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've done my time of sparrow fart wake-ups. No. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Nope. I've done my time. I'll never do it again. And now 
no. Yeah. And it's just all about like, and it's also like, okay, what if you're a, what if you're a nurse or what if you're a doctor or, you know, like, are you going to wake up at 5am? Hell no. Like you do night shifts, you do, you know, like it can never, it doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. Like you have to create something that that's what I feel like is missing a lot of the time is everyone comes into whether it's fitness, whether it's mindset, they come in and they either feel like they're going to be told what to do or the person actually does tell them what to do. And that's such a misconception. And it's been something I've found really difficult to deal with because I don't like telling people what to do. I want you to figure that out for yourself. And it's going to take trial and error, but it's the only thing that will work long-term. And I definitely agree with that as well, because like, I feel like so many people come into the coaching space, like to be, they hire a coach expecting that that's going to fix all their problems Yeah. when really they need to be meeting the coach halfway. Like you could have the best fucking coach in the world. And if you're not going to do the work, it's not going to work. It's totally true. But they (laughs) always come into this way and they just think that I'm going to give them all the answers and it's like like on me and I'm the problem if they don't get it. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing because you can give people a framework or an outline, but everyone is so different. You can't tell people what to do because it might work for one person for two weeks and then for six months or another person for a year, another person for their whole life. But everyone is so different. Everyone's desires, wants, needs, so different. So yeah. And especially when you're working. Yeah. And especially when you're working with body image, like, Mm no person is the same. Like we've all had different upbringings that all the triggers around your body image around food are all completely different. What works for one person is not going to work for another and you cannot approach any two clients the same. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel that. And one of the things I was going to ask you, I feel like we've talked a lot about exercise, but one thing, and it honestly even triggers me a tiny bit to bring it up is around (laughs) like disordered eating and how kind of that played a role in your journey because it definitely played a role in mine and how you kind of have healed from that and go about that now in your life. Yeah. So uh, for me, all of my disordered eating was more around like, so my parents, I, I, even say this to my mom, I thank her for how she taught us to eat. Yes. Because honestly, I don't look at food and be like, mm, can't have that. Mm, it's bad. I don't feel guilty around the type of food I eat. I genuinely eat whole foods. And then if I want to treat myself, I can, because that is how I was brought up. Like yep. we were never, like my mom was never that strict mom that never had roll-ups in our lunchbox. You know yeah, what I same. mean? Like, yep, I'm the same. We never had that yes or no, but my disordered eating when I got that little bit older. So like, say when I was like at uni or whatever, I would be around girls who ate fucking nothing. Mm. So then that's when I would be like, holy fuck, I ate so much food, which now I love that about me. Like I eat like a baby dinosaur and have no, (laughs) like, I don't care. And I know that it's fuel for my body, right? But when I was at uni, I would like go and like sneak and go and eat room, like food in my room to hide Mm. because I was like, oh, what, like, what is this? But really that was just everyone else's disordered eating, like rubbing off onto me, if that makes sense. And I was ashamed of how much I did fuel my body. And I remember doing that. Like when I first moved to Sydney, I lived with my auntie and uncle and I would do the same there. It It took me a long time to get away from hiding a long time because yeah. I was so ashamed of how much I ate or I just didn't even want the judgment of someone saying, Oh, you're going to eat all that. Mm. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm the friend, like if you come out for dinner with me, I eat all my food and the rest of yours and I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the one thing about disordered eating as well, which everyone's going to relate to this is like, we're always taught that disordered eating is anorexia, bulimia. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Binge eating. And binge eating's only just come about in the last, like, oh, yeah. it's pretty pretty recent that people like, oh shit. And I definitely binge ate, like when I talked before about like my partying, but yeah. that was literally because it was like, I wasn't choosing not to eat. It was literally, I was on vendors and couldn't eat. Yeah. But 
we're all associating disordered eating with those main three when really disordered eating could be as little as a simple food rule in your head that's like pizza is bad for me and I can't have that. Yes. It could be as simple as hiding and eating in your room, snacks. Mm. It could be like the list goes on and I could sit here and rattle them all off for you, but like anything that is not normal is disordered eating, anything. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think I only recently saw the shift in my own mindset with that in terms of like there's eating disorders, you know, coming from a psych background, like, you know, I know a lot about them. I've studied them. I probably should have been diagnosed with one, but I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety instead. And it was just hand in hand, hand in hand. But then there is a very, like, there's a difference between that and then disordered eating, like disordered eating, I feel like is all kind of like small symptoms of what could be or eventuate into an eating disorder. But disordered eating is so common within so many people that I know. Yep. Even just like obsessively tracking your food. You can't go out for dinner without feeling guilty. You mm. weigh yourself every day but and freak out every time it goes up. Like you yeah. can't control yourself in food situations. Like if you're in a social setting and you literally cannot control eating that food, like that's disordered eating. Yeah. Or just even feeling guilty. A big one for yeah. me. I don't have an eating disorder. Like I haven't since I was probably 20, 21 and I'm 27 now, but I can definitely tell when I'm having issues with disordered eating because I feel guilty. Yep. And you know where that also comes from is like in the industry, it's always talked about cheat meals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my uh, God, I, I'm cheating my entire life. <laughs> no, literally. It's just, and like, also once again, our parents grew up with Weight Watchers and having a point system with food. Jenny Craig. Jenny fucking Craig. <laughs> and I'd, it's probably helped a lot of people, but totally. No, no yeah. it's very, no. But we've always labeled as one good and bad food as cheat meals. Mm. So when you have something that is off your plan or what you deem as unhealthy, you feel like you've failed. Yeah. When really, and if any of my clients are listening to this, I call it soul food. Yes, I love that. When I heard you say that the other day, I think it was the first time I'd seen you say that. It was on your stories or on a post or something. And I was like, I love that so much because everyone needs soul food. Everyone. It's, yeah. If you have gone out for dinner and you're engaging with your friends in a social setting and you're having a meal off track, that is not bad. No. That's feeding your soul. So even in the meal, I write meal plans for people. I'll give Mm. a weekend example and I will write, you have X amount of calories for soul food. Yeah. Do with that what you want. I do not care what you do. Feed yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And there's so many different takes that you can have on it. And like, not everyone is right. Not everyone is wrong. Like there's just, yeah. I think that's what you people just have to realize is there's no right, there's no wrong, there's no good, there's no bad, there's just what's right for you and what's good for you. And that's absolutely your choice, not anyone else's. Yeah. And one thing that I always say to my clients as well is like the only way you can fuck it up is by giving mm-hmm. up. And I feel like everyone always is just associates with one little meals off track. Oh, I've missed a workout. Oh, I failed. When really yeah. the only way you can fail is if you stop altogether and that goes with anything with your mindset your body image journey like Mm. anything if you give up that's when it's failure yeah and don't give up (laughs) yeah totally with a background for me mine was severely under eating like and severe restriction and that just came from I think no one ever told me you know when you read in magazines about it that was the worst thing is like the magazine tells you about the thigh gap and then they talk about this new phenomenon of anorexia and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, great. Like, they're not talking about it in a good way, but they're no. showing you, oh, wait, this is the way that people lose weight. And yeah. so for me, that was like the first thing that I could think of that I could so easily control and restrict. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the first summer when I was like 15, 16, I went away and I had every day, the only thing I ate was one wheat bix and one apple. That is wild. That was it. That's that's not even enough to feed a toddler. No, exactly. And I came back the next year to school. I didn't see anyone. I was 
very depressed at the time. Um, and I just remember everyone being like, you know, you've lost weight, you're so skinny, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I took that as a positive thing. You yeah. know, they were, they were being inquisitive in a sense, but like I took it as a yeah. positive thing. Um, yeah. But how do you think someone with a background in terms of restriction and control can effectively, like, is that the case where someone really needs to work on their mindset before it yeah. comes to tracking and all of that type of stuff? 100%. If you have restricted eating mindsets, do not fucking track your food. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Like, once again, it's all a mindset thing. So body image is a psychological issue. Yes. So when you try and change things physically, it is going to trigger the fuck mm. out of your body image. Yeah. And then it digs you into a deeper hole with everything and everything with all this noise. It's so overwhelming. Oh, I should be doing that. Oh, I should be doing that. When really you should be stripping everything completely back, learning how to eat food like a normal human being. Yeah. And just focus on movement. In a, yeah. in a positive way, like I said, move your body every day, however that feels good. So if I had a client that was severely under eating and normally when people severely under eat, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is you have very strict rules around certain foods in particular and we almost call them like fear foods and you have safe yes. foods. So obviously the wheat bix for example, was your safe food, right? <laughs> yeah. So I've had clients in the past and I actually think I remember something similar telling you to do something similar, but I would get them to write a list of all their fear foods mm. and I would make them try, not make them, I shouldn't say make, but I would encourage <laughs> them to try a fear food every week or every mm. month, how, whatever isn't going to overwhelm them. And often if I was working with someone intensively, I would be doing it on the call with them. Like I'd say, bring your fear food and we'll try it together. And often I would eat it as well just to yeah. create that like safe environment. But you have to challenge those beliefs that you've built because if you don't challenge them, you're never going to know that you're safe if you do do those things. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. And you did, you told me to do that and you told me to do it with body image, my body image, like wearing, you were like, what scares you? And I said, wearing a crop top. Yeah. So I was you like, know? fucking get out there, get <laughs> on your hot girl walk with on the crop. Yeah. yeah. And it was so good because there was no pressure. Like for the first bit, I was like, okay, I'll crop top work out at home. Cause like yeah. even that stressed me out. Yeah. And then it was going for a walk and then it was going to a gym class with just a crop top or like seeing my friends wearing just a crop top. So many like tiny little details um, yep. that increased my confidence every time I did them. And yeah. Like it made such a massive shift just doing that one thing. Yeah. And I guess the more you do it, you realize, oh, fuck, no one is looking at me. They don't care that I'm wearing a crop top at all. And that was actually a big thing for me as well. Like mm. I could go out, wear like a denim skirt and a crop top, but no way in hell would I train in tights and a crop top at the gym. Yep. I only started doing that like 18 months ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if you have lost heaps of weight, and I talk about this a lot with clients, it's been coming up a lot for them, is like when you have lost weight, you still buy clothes of the biggest sizes that you were. So yeah. for years, I would still buy sizes 14. It would be swimming on me and I would still yeah. look fat because <laughs> it didn't fit me. Yeah. So it's really hard for you to, I guess, get used to doing those things. But the more and more you do it, you feel so much more comfortable and you know, you realize that the world doesn't stop spinning when you do do that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Clothing is such a funny one as well. There's so many yeah. topics when it comes to yeah. body image and food and everything like that. But clothing is a big one too, where I feel yeah. like that can be a sign as well that like your body image is eh, not yeah. going well. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's so hard out here being a female and going shopping and the lighting in the change rooms is horrible. Like, and every yeah. size, like that says it's a size 10 or it's whatever not is size. not the same. No. And every store size eight, 10, whatever is so different. Yeah. And I guess too, like, I always encourage people like you are not meant to change your body to fit into clothes. Clothes are meant to fit you. So if you have to go up yes. a size, who fucking cares? No yeah. one knows. I'm not walking around. I'm like, oh, yep, let me check your tag. What size are you? <laughs> like, no one knows what size you're wearing. Yeah, that's actually so true. And I, I've act, that's so straightforward and simple, but I've never thought of it like that, that way. Yeah. Anytime I look at, like, 
you know, if I buy a size up in a pair of jeans or whatever, I have to justify it in my head. I'm like, I want them to look baggy or I want them blah, blah. It's like, yeah. why do I do that? No one knows what size jeans these are. No, no one. one. Not even your partner knows. He wouldn't even give a fuck. Like No. It's not like my friends are coming over looking in my closet and going through all my jean sizes. No, no one cares. <laughs> and every female feels that way. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. It's crazy when I talk about body image. It's the most I ever get messages and comments and stuff is with people relating is when I talk yeah. about body image. Me too. The two massive like pieces of content that had the biggest engagement for me was I did um a few posts of like I basically listed out like disordered yeah. eating and people were like holy fuck I do all of those and then another <laughs> another one was if your mum did Weight Watchers did I think it was like she weighed herself every day or whatever it's time to start healing your inner child people were yeah. like oh my God, my mom did that. And like, it blew up on TikTok. I think it had like a couple of million. Yeah. Um, it's just like, everyone had the same experience. I know. It's actually crazy. And even if it wasn't to do with your parents, like my mom never really, she never really, I guess, modeled to us anything like that. Or like, we were the same no. as you, where we could yeah. eat anything in the house. Yeah. Like she'd always have, you know, lollies and chocolate and shapes and like whatever around for us to eat but it was also the impact of just the rise of the internet and social media yeah. and magazines and tv ads and just yeah. all of that stuff like yeah that was that's also such a big thing that also affects your inner child you know it's not 100%. just parents kids, it's just everything kids at school kids at school was another big one no for me. don't get me started <laughs> fuck like i remember um I had a friend and I remember being like five or six and she would like I'd go there and she'd make make us weigh ourselves oh god but really it's because obviously her mother made her weigh herself yeah. and we but she it was literally because she knew she was smaller than me so it was like I'm gonna weigh my like it was a way for her to feel good but as a child you don't know that no they don't even know why they're doing that right yeah so like yeah the scales is another massive thing, but like, yeah, I remember that being as little as five or six. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, And another thing is like when um, like some of my friends and stuff are having babies and everything is now it's like, how can I make a concerted effort not to bring that onto them as well? You know, my yeah. friend has a beautiful baby girl and every time I never want to say anything about like her physical appearance yeah but you know i always want to say you know i can still say things like you're beautiful or like yes. you look so healthy you look so strong you know stuff like that yeah. um but it's an interesting dynamic to have to start to learn yeah what what can i say what like really shouldn't i say to kind of bolster their she's literally yeah. one year old and it's like what no. can I do to bolster their self-image but like we you think about like okay zero to eight or nine are our programming years right so like yeah imagine all the things that we haven't remembered from say three down like even I see mums and they're like oh you're so cute you chunky chunky I'm like that child's remembering calling it <laughs> chunky like I'm not even joking you it starts as little as that yeah and like, yeah, you don't just wake up and you're not born thinking that you're fat. No. <laughs> Literally. Literally. And how you feel about your body, I guarantee your mum feels the exact same way about hers. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> the exact. Like, and like, once again, like, and I've even spoken to mum about it. And I'm like, I actually can't remember you speaking about your body in a negative way. Or like, I actually can remember her trying like a few things like Weight Watchers, but like not, she didn't do it all the time. Like I might've been like, you know, they tried a couple of things, but like, I honestly can't remember her speaking too poorly about herself, but yeah, yeah nowadays, like if she asks me something, I'm like, that's how I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually so interesting. And I think sometimes it's more of a 
one thing I don't think people touch on that much is like, yeah, it's what people say, but it's also the vibe yeah, people give 100%. off. And I think when you're younger, you sense vibes. 100%. And <laughs> even more so as an adult, even more yeah. so because you just, you're more intuitive as a kid, you feel it. Yeah. That's like, very true. Yeah. It's interesting. And two, like, if you were like an older child or you have younger siblings, like, we would have watched our mum go through pregnancy and her body changing. But I can't remember that. She, I was three. Mm. You know what I mean? But we would have subconsciously watched that happen. Yeah. Or even I remember that happening. Yeah. And even body image around like as women, especially when it comes to pregnancy and stuff like that, that's a really big one too. Like I, I still to this day am fearful of what I'm going to be like if I am able to have a child. Yeah. Because I just feel with the past issues that I've had, like it's going to be another journey that I'm going to have to ride and kind of heal and grow from. Um, Because it's going to be when your body changes that much. Yeah. I can't imagine how challenging it can be if you've had those issues in the past. Yeah. And I guess that's like a case of new level, new devil. Like you are going to heal to a certain extent, but then you're going to change like six, 12 months down the track and you're going to have to be faced with those things again. And it's just another devil for you to conquer, I guess. But I also have this conversation because I have a client who's pregnant now and I've Mm. been encouraging her to do mindset stuff on her body image because if it's not, if you don't have those practices in place now, like, and if you are at this age, like chances are you're probably contemplating having children soon. Like it's, we're in that age, but like, yeah, you're going to have to be faced with those issues again and again and again. And then again, once you have those kids and like you said, you're trying to model to them a better body image, you're going to be triggered again because all your same shit is just going to keep coming up. So it's like it's always going to be there, but you have to learn the ways that you can like regulate and validate those thoughts and just continue to challenge them. Like yeah. they're going to come up. I have bad body image days too. I sometimes go to the gym and like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have wore this. Like I'm so bloated. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, no, bitch, you are sh- being silly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to, it's not about that you're never going to have a bad body image day again. It's literally that you learn how to not let it derail you. It is. And it's, it's the same happen. with lots of mindset stuff. Like it's not about never falling off no. track. It's just about knowing yeah. you're going to fall off track and how quickly you can get yourself back on. Absolutely. Cause you're going to fucking fall off track. You're human. Yeah. And it takes time like that. Um, there's someone, her name's Mimi Bouchard. She mm-hmm. has the superhuman app. She always app talks. Well. Yeah. She always talks about the bounce back rate, which is like the rate at which you can get back on track. And it yes. just takes time to learn how like to, it's practice. Like every yeah. time you practice, you get back on track quicker and quicker and quicker. Absolutely. Like you said, like you're going to fall off track and it's just how you learn how to jump back on the horse as quick as possible, really. So my last question is, I guess, kind of encapsulating everything we've talked about, but for anyone kind of continuing on the journey of like healing their body image, their disordered eating, what are some of the things like the the top kind of tips that you would give them to encourage them to do that work and like start seeing shifts in that area. Number one, start journaling. Yeah. I did not heal any of my body image stuff until I started journaling and I guess getting inquisitive and asking questions around all that stuff and like inner child stuff, especially like once you, dig deep into that side of healing as well. Like you can, you can do all the body image stuff you want to do, like affirmations and all that kind of stuff, but it's only going to get you so far. You're like bypassing all the deep shit. Like obviously we've covered all of these beliefs have come from a very young age. So if you're not doing inner child healing, you're not going to get very far. So that number one, but journaling (laughs) asking yourself how you feel each day as well, because if you can kind of get in touch with your feelings and regulate your emotions as well, like a lot of overeating and eating disorders actually also come from dysregulated nervous systems as well. Like they're like stressed and in a flight or flight. So then they use food to kind of get that feeling Um, that, yeah, yeah, basically. 
Um, so that's another one is like meditating is the perfect way to do that and breath work and then just not setting harsh goals with yourself. Yes. So like, I think I said this to you as well, like instead of being like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym four or five times a week. How about you just come at it from a place of, okay, I'm going to move my body every day, how that feels good. So like I said before, if you go for a walk or you want to do yoga, whatever, that's also going to help with your mental health as well. So yeah, just doing things that are going to fill your cup up as well is very important. Also work around coming from a place of compassion. Yeah. Shame is and guilt is the worst way to go about anything really because it's going to keep you stuck and it's going to keep you in those negative head spaces because if you make one mistake and you shame yourself for it, it's going to take you longer to get back with that reboot phase that we were talking about before. Um, but like if you have a binge or you fall off track or whatever, it's okay. Like just learning how to validate yourself and bring yourself back to that place of calm and compassion really coming at it from a place of love. Another thing is like what I said to you before is like writing a list of all the things that your body stops you from doing currently and then challenging that every week or every month or however, whatever you feel the rate you want to do it as, but start challenging those beliefs that you've been doing for a really long time and obviously continue to do that you can't just do it one time and be like yep cool I wore a crop top and I'm healed like (laughs) yeah I know do it all the time another thing is um separating yourself from your thoughts Mm. so say you walk past the mirror and you're like okay no and my lower belly patch is peaking today no you have to learn how to step away from those thoughts and rewire them. And once again, that just ties straight in with the challenging yourself stuff. But if you're not replacing those negative thoughts with positive ones, Hmm. you're never, ever going to believe anything else. You literally have to rewire your brain. Yeah. And stop tracking. If you're someone that's tracking, don't track. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. That was a downhill slope for me. Yeah. Just don't track. And obviously too, best way if you want to really deep dive into this stuff is hire a coach who specializes in this stuff. I see time and time again, people want to get a coach and they obviously want to hire someone, but they're not hiring someone that's aligned with their goals. Yes. So like I've had people come to me and they, one, were not flagged for disordered eating by their coach. Two, they've gone straight to a WBFF bodybuilder coach. Mm. And nothing against that, but if you are struggling with body image and learning to reestablish a healthy relationship with food, bodybuilders are literal athletes and they have to put themselves through crazy, crazy things to achieve the physique that they need to for a competition. It is a sport, right? So if you don't have the desire to do that, don't work with someone who is that kind of coach. Like stick with someone in that niche. Like you genuinely have to take a step backwards from, okay, I want to lose weight. Like obviously, yes, that might be your end goal, but you need to take a step back to go forwards and you need to do all that mindset stuff first before you can move into that weight loss phase. Yeah, it's so true. And I think one thing that I really took from this too is like the, there is no right and wrong. Everyone's so different. You just have to find the right that's right for you. (laughs) Yeah, literally. It's like what works for you is not going to work for me. It's not going to work for the next person. So, but that doesn't mean what I do is wrong compared to you or vice versa. No. One thing you said, we said it yesterday, but we were just talking randomly about some random stupid thing and you were like, (laughs) oh, like not for me, but doesn't mean it's not for you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like we know, we know that. But it's the same with everything, like, you know, in your life is don't look at other people and be like, oh, I have to be like them. Just pick pick what you enjoy. Yeah, literally. And what works for you. Yeah, totally. Yay. Cute. All right. Well, before we finish off, I would love if you can tell people where to find you and kind of what is currently happening in your world. God, there's so much happening in my world. I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're my I know mentor. I'm sitting here like, oh, wait, another five minutes, guys. 
Nah, just kidding. <laughs> but not really. <laughs> no. Tell us, Jess. Tell us. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at train with Jess. Say the same on TikTok as well. Just released a journal prompt ebook. So it kind of deep dives into your inner child, but also there's heaps and heaps of stuff on relationship with body and food. Also, um, relationship stuff. Like you would be surprised how much relationship trauma will affect your body image. Cause like I said, it comes your, the story you might be telling yourself might be because you feel unworthy or unloved. So that is a really big piece of it as well. And there's also lots of activities to challenge your body image in that as well. So that's an affordable way that you can get into my world. It's only $29.99. It's a little ebook. Um, but then I have one-to-one mindset coaching and also obviously fitness coaching. I've also got a combined package. So you can do both health and mindset together and then business coaching, business mentoring. Yay. See, that wasn't that long. <laughs> no, I do have some little sneaky things I'm working on though. So yes, you do. We'll leave that for a surprise. Yeah. And um, if anyone is interested in that, can they just DM you on Instagram? Yeah, literally just Instagram or my website, which all the links for that are on my Instagram anyway. But yeah, just get in touch. I'm my DMs are always open. Yay. I'll put your Instagram and a link to your website in the show notes as well for everyone. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I've loved it. Me too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Elevate You podcast. If you loved what you heard, make sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes. Want more of this in your life? Follow me on socials at Elevated by M. I absolutely love connecting with you, so make sure to send me a DM or tag me in a screenshot of this episode. I'm so happy you're here and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode.